Hello and welcome to a Wednesday, January 17th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Harris, and after a couple of weeks, I get to finally be back on with my guy, Ramiz, as we look at a nine-game slate on here. Uh, Ramiz, I mean, I got to thank you for covering me for the last week. It was a little under the weather. When I say little, it was really under the weather. I couldn't really get out of bed there, so... I don't think anyone would have wanted to hear my voice over the pod, so I'm glad that's uh, that's well and past, and I'm feeling good enough to get going. But you know, how how are things going on your side? How are you uh, feeling about uh, nine games coming into tonight? Uh, I've been pretty solid, of course. I think I missed the pod before last week's because like, mm. I, was, I was also dealing with a sore throat and a dry cough, which is really <laughs> annoying. Uh, but uh, so I guess we were both victims of that. But this nine games play, <laughs> I guess it's great to see us coming back to this i mean it's funny because this today was a three game slate and like imagine just doing that one <laughs> <laughs> i mean look i just did that three game slate and funny enough when uh, kenny and i were talking about that one everything was pointing to the fact that denver was going to be resting pretty much all of their starters and as it turned out that was a red herring they played it all it was a pretty good game philly actually had an excellent win in that one and be just Re, uh, reiterating just how good his MVP case is going to be this year. So looking like he might uh, repeat there. But let's uh, let's forget all of that, jump right into what is going to be a pretty hefty slate and a couple of different ways for us to potentially go into this. As always, you want to keep yourself in the know and on top of everything that's happening. So you got to get yourself onto sportsethos.com, get yourself subscribed to that DFS pass, giving you access to all of the amazing content, our DFS deliveries, our props, and a bunch of other things that are all put together by the best pros in the business to keep you up to date all the way up until lineup lock. And of course, you will also get access to our Discord where you can have those direct conversations with those same pros and talk about what they are looking at as far as these slates are concerned and where their head's at in terms of how to best approach this. But Ramiz, as you said, nine games over here. Uh, we'll focus on positions to really get into some of the areas of a potential value over here. And we'll start uh, with the point guard where and I'll talk about uh, a couple that are of interest to me. And, you know, what I've uh, basically been looking at throughout this slate in general is there's just a lot of potential value in that kind of high mid-tier to low expensive tier area that I'm really zeroing in on with a bunch of guys. But my most expensive spend up that I'm potentially recommending over here is going to be a guy who has been on absolute fire for the last, I want to say, actually since the start of the new year, he hasn't had a single game below 50 DK points. And that's Kyrie Irving with the Dallas Mavericks sitting at 9,300. So still at that sub uh, 10,000 mark, which is actually a bit surprising given the fact that he had gotten above that leading into the uh, previous uh, Pelicans game. So, Obviously, with the nine-gauge slate here, there's been a little bit of an adjustment to be able to go ahead and get that. And at the same time, obviously, Luka Doncic, who himself is questionable coming into this game, whether he plays or not is going to be an impact with that as well. But regardless, Kyrie loves to go up against uh, the Lakers. We've seen that throughout his career and also any opportunity to be up against LeBron. He just finds ways to be able to go ahead and get something going. But for a guy who's been averaging about 33 real points over the last uh, week and a half that he's been playing, averaging, as I said, above 50. In fact, he's sitting at somewhere close to 57 DK points in that time and has been 
just on a absolute tear as far as pure performances are concerned. So if he can get another game with uh, Luka Doncic actually coming out, that's just going to absolutely solidify it as my pick. But regardless, I think he's a great opportunity to be able to go ahead and continue on with that. Going a little bit lower, and this is one where I'm expecting a bit of a bounce-back game over here, is with uh, Fred Van Vliet at 7500 uh, He's dropped down a bit as far as his price tag is concerned, basically owing to two bad games that he had against two teams that he has always struggled against. I mean, Raptors fans can tell you how bad Fred Van Vliet always is against both Boston and Philadelphia, just not matchups that he's ever done well in. It's just one of those things that the size is always being a concern for him to be able to try and get around, and those teams just know how to lock him down. But a team that never locks Fred Van Vliet down well is the New York Knicks, and he's obviously going to be going up against his old mate OG on here. And in the Garden, Fred has had a number of uh, memorable games over there, so I'm expecting this to be another great opportunity for him to have one of those big nights, and at 7,500, there's a lot of upside to like over there. And of course, uh, on the other side of the Knicks, you know, Jalen Brunson is also questionable coming into this game. So if he ends up not suiting up, which looks like it might actually be likely that he does, but we'll have to keep an eye out. Then otherwise we have uh, Mr. Uh, Miles McBride on the uh, New York Knicks who had the opportunity to get a big role in the last two games that he's played. Played 38 and 36 minutes in both of those games, hitting above 30 DK points in each of those. So his price tag is definitely a good place to be able to look at for some value if he, in fact, does get another opportunity to be able to go ahead and start. And then uh, finally, as far as kind of value is concerned, for me, I'm looking at two spots here, which is uh, Keontae George and Kyle Lowry. Uh, Keontae George, plain and simple, is just a matter of uh, how aggressive he can continue to be. We've seen him his last two games now, getting close to 30 DK points, even though he's playing about uh, 25 minutes a night on each of those. But 11 field goal attempts in both of those, the vast majority of them being three-point attempts, which he has hit three of in the last uh, two games each. So a good spot there. Plus, he's getting to the free throw line to the tune of 11 in the last two games as well. So it's just good to see from an aggressive standpoint that he is getting himself into the uh, into the right groove. And Kyle Lowry is just purely a scenario of him finally getting back on the floor uh looking pretty healthy in the times that he is his price tag has dropped down low enough that he should be in a pretty good spot to be able to beat that value pretty significantly and having a a game against a, his uh, hometown raptors back in toronto definitely bound to be something that's going to get him uh, get him going from that perspective the crowd is going to give him love as expected and i think that uh, 4100 is going to be a good point for him to go ahead and take advantage what are you thinking from your side? Uh, well, I guess we'll start off with uh, the same player in terms of Fred Manfley at 7,500. Uh, of course, you said, right, he struggled usually against Boston and Philly because I will, I don't know why, because I guess they're <laughs> always the tough defensive teams to go against. Uh, but against New York, I think it'll be a size relief, even though New York has played some great basketball. And I think even if Jalen Brunson plays, actually might be better for Fred Manfley because maybe the game is much closer down the line. Uh, but we've seen, I mean, games, especially on the road, Van Vliet plays much better. And we also know Van Vliet is one of those players who, at this price range, can very well reach over 50 DK fantasy points if he has a solid scoring night and just is able to rack up his, like, 10-plus assists, like, usually. And at 7,500, I think he's one of the best price tags to look at in this slate. Uh, mid-tier-wise, I guess it's, like, on the lower-end mid-tier side, uh, mid-tier area, and that's Miles McBride at 5,300. Of course, he was playing in the absence of Jalen Brunson, I think, in one of the games. But I think generally, even if Jalen Brunson is to return, Miles McGrath at 5,300, he's put up two solid back-to-back games. 
And I think he's kind of taken that backup point guard spot off for Malachi Flynn, even though I don't think don't think there was much competition. Uh, but I mean, if he can continue to have good performances and have like around twenty plus minutes, I think you could still expect something north of like twenty DK fantasy points. Uh, so maybe like something like twenty seven or twenty eight. Uh, of course, he won't get the same opportunity if Jalen Brunson plays. But I think, despite that, I think because Miles McGrath can play point guard or shooting guard, he can be a pretty uh, solid scorer. And I guess this Houston team, I think he might be uh, useful. And then my, my budget pick is not Keontae George, but his other competition, that's Chris Dunn at 4,300. Uh, I think there will be a lot of scores. I think the thing about Keontae George that always is worrisome about me is mainly because of his efficiency. Uh, of course, when he shoots over like 45%, he's having a great game. He's hitting his shots. Uh, but when he's inefficient, it just takes away from his uh, value. Uh, so I guess I'm going for a more safer pick in Chris Dunn because I think he will provide much more of a defensive impact. And he's also been racking up assists, I want to say, in these past games. I think he's averaging around five assists, maybe six. And, of course, one game he only even had more than 10 assists. And uh, in this Golden State team, I think he will be used a lot more to probably defend the likes of a Curry or a Clay or uh brandon pods because i don't know how to pronounce his last name uh so i think he will be useful in guarding those guards because he can definitely get on a heat uh heat check and probably have a great game if you let them go loose yeah fair enough i think there's a bunch of solid picks in there and definitely a couple of ways for you to be able to go ahead and attack that uh the shooting guard slot is very similar in the sense that you obviously have a lot of players that do have that due eligibility over here but where I'm looking is in that uh, mid-tier area, and that's really where my focus is as far as this is concerned. Uh, first of all, starting with the Detroit Pistons, who are going to be at home taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves over here. And really, it's been uh, Jaden Ivey who's gotten the opportunity to really you know, get his minutes and his field goal attempts, usage, all of it, really on a huge uptick since uh, Kate Cunningham has been out in his four uh, straight games uh, since we had that first that initial talk of his injury. Uh, Jaden Ivey hasn't had a single game where he's had below 38 DK points, has gotten anywhere between 17 to 19 field goal attempts in each of those games. And even though his three-point shooting has not really hit uh, to the levels that we were seeing slightly earlier in the season, he's actually been struggling a little bit in that, he's still been able to find uh, enough in his um, fantasy arsenal uh, to be able to get anywhere between 38 to 46 DK points in that time. So for a guy who's sitting at 7,000, Obviously, Minnesota is not an easy defensive team by any uh, by any measure of the imagination. In fact, they've been by far the best on that end, but not necessarily at the guard slot where they've uh, been uh, you know, a little bit more I want to say attackable on that end rather than uh, being able to go inside where obviously Rudy Gobert is erasing a lot of people's mistakes and has been an absolute monster this year. So for Jaden Ivey, who will hopefully be able to hit a couple more of his uh, three-pointers rather than the uh, 20% we've been seeing over the last little bit, should have a good opportunity to still be able to play those uh, 36 to 38 minutes regardless of what the result's looking like. Uh, Detroit at home, to their credit, has been able to keep games close even though they haven't obviously been winning too many games out there. But hey, they did get that uh, win against Washington, really making Kuzma eat his words, which was hilarious to me. But that being said, uh, just a lot to, to like about his fantasy game and his opportunities right now. So for him at 7,000, I do like that. Now, I don't necessarily love giving this pick out, but for those who have been paying attention to the news as of today, as a Toronto fan, there's a lot uh, to be able to potentially digest with Pascal Siakam potentially being involved in a trade. And I, I don't want to get too derailed on it, but 
We could very well see that trade happen with the Indiana Pacers involved or whoever else is in there as early as who knows it could happen tonight, it could happen tomorrow. The point being, RJ Barrett, who's at 6,600, I never love his fantasy game. <laughs> it's just not a great opportunity in general. But what we have seen in Toronto is that he has been a lot more efficient so far in his stint there. Now, whether that's going to be a hot streak that eventually wears out, what has been good is that he's been getting the opportunity to really take advantage of where Toronto has been at its best, which is in transition. He's been able to get a lot of buckets in the, in the paint over there, and as a result, he shot well over 50% in his stint since he's come onto the Raptors and averaging about uh, 38 DK points in that time with really only one dud against that uh, Utah Jazz team where he had a bad game there. So uh, all in all, I expect that his price tag is in a, in a pretty good spot for him to continue to be able to put up in somewhere in the high 30s as far as his DK points are concerned. And for him uh, to be at 6600 at the moment, I think it's a, it's a good spot for me to be able to take him. And he has that dual eligibility with the small forward side as well, so he could easily find a way to be able to go ahead and fit him. And then finally, again, just looking at the, the mid-tier side here, uh, we're looking at another guy who's been on absolute fire as of late, which is Tim Hardaway. Last uh, three games, two of which he's had 50-plus DK points in that time. And even crazier than that, he's had 18 three-pointers in the last three games that he's played on there. So he's been just absolutely cooking from outside, including the fact that he's doing that while getting to the free-throw line to the grand tune of 23 times in the last uh, three games as well. So it's just been an offensive explosion for him as of late. And, you know, the worry with him is always that he is very scoring centric in his, uh, in his fantasy value. So you definitely will have to hope for another good shooting night, but Hey, if there's anything that you can expect with the Lakers is that they will let anyone shoot on them. So even if, uh, it, uh, Luka Doncic does end up finding himself back on the floor and playing his regular minutes. I just think Tim Hardaway is going to have another opportunity to be able to put up you know, 10 three-point attempts in that game. Uh, if he can keep his hot streak going, he could easily find himself hitting anywhere between four to five of those, and then everything else will kind of work in its way as well. So 6400 to me is the perfect price tag to be able to take advantage of, of the upside that we've seen in the last couple of games. While still, if he doesn't necessarily have an amazing game, he should still be in a position where he doesn't completely sink you. And that's uh, it's kind of where I'm focused as far as shooting guards are concerned. What about yourself? Uh, well, starting off with the guy you mentioned in point guards, but you mentioned he has dual eligibility. One of my superstar picks, uh, Kyrie at 9,300. Mm. Uh, of course, like you said, he could play point guard or shooting guard. I guess same thing with Luka. Or is, uh, actually, Luka is actually deter- like only a point guard, but Kyrie can play shooting guard. So... That's why I kind of went with him at this pick. I mean, I'm not going to speak much. I mean, you kind of said it on the nail. I mean, he's been having an amazing 2024 so far. Past six games been absolutely insane numbers. Uh, I think he's been getting around like 27 shots. I want to see in these past six games on average. Uh, and he's been hitting almost. He's been really efficient. Uh, I think he might be having another 50 or close to 50, 40, 90 season. Uh, and if he can, I think he could do it again against the Lakers. Uh, of course, he will have high ownership, uh, so don't be surprised by that. But it's for good reason. I mean, continuously playing 40 minutes, getting around 27 shots, and going against the Lakers, I think that's their trifecta. And it's Kyrie, so it'd be really some great entertaining basketball for us. Uh, mid-tier uh, area, I decided to go with Colin Sexton at 6,500. Uh, so I think this Golden State-Utah Jazz game is going to have a good amount of scoring. And, uh, of course, Colin Sexton and Jordan Clarkson are priced around the same. He is uh, Sexton is 400 cheaper. Uh, but I decided to go with him because he's been having much more of a better stretch of basketball. I think even, I want to say, like, month. 
in general. I mean, of course, ever since I want to say like dating back to December when Laurie Markkinen and Jordan Clarkson were both not playing, Colin Sexton stepped up huge. And he's been, I mean, getting these minutes back and he's been having some games where he doesn't get a lot of minutes. Like he'll get 24, but he still gets, like this last game against Indian, he had 24 minutes and he had 43 DK fantasy points. So I think this game against Golden State Warriors where they do run small lineups, uh, I think he will be having another opportunity to have one of those similar nights, or at least we're getting some great shots up and hopefully getting around 35 plus DK fantasy points. Uh, a bit cheaper than Colin Sexton, I decided to go with Dante DiVincenzo at uh, 5,700. Uh, he's a player similar to what I said about Miles McBride. I think even if Jalen Brunson returns, I think he will still be a great option to go for because, I mean, they've lost quickly and RJ, and he was the one who I think slided into the starting shooting guard spot, and he's been pretty solid for them, and I think he's probably been one of uh, Tom Thibodeau's favorite players because he does hustle, he does all that little stuff. And he's been averaging around 30 DK fantasy points on this three-game run. Uh, and I think against Houston, where they don't have, I want to say, I mean, Fred Lee is a great perimeter defender, but if Jalen Brunson decides to play, I think all eyes will be on him, and Dante DiVincenzo will continuously just do what he's been able to do. And not to mention that I think DiVincenzo has been averaging like seven plus three-point attempts in these, like this five-game stretch, I think. And if he can keep up that same numbers and this hopefully be much more efficient, I think at 5,700, it's a pretty solid price to go for. And then budget-wise, I guess this is also another one of those finesse picks because he does play point guard, but I'm choosing him as shooting guard because he has dual eligibility. And that's Peyton Pritchard at 4,000. Uh, I guess it's also maybe me trying to script the match into thinking that it's probably going to be a Boston and blowout uh, because San Antonio is playing on the road and they are one of the worst teams in the league uh, with the Detroit Pistons and the Wizards. So I think uh, Peyton Pritchard should get hopefully a good amount of minutes if this game ends up being a blowout. Uh, and of course, if he is, he's only 4,000, so he, he can very well have the green light to just do what he does and just get some easy shots up and hopefully get around 20 plus DK fantasy points. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I think you've uh, hit a, on a couple of my guys. <laughs> Again, we keep talking about this dual eligibility of where you can <laughs> actually go ahead and fit them in. And for example, Dante DiVincenzo was absolutely on my radar as far as small forwards are concerned. And I mean, kind of hit uh, the main points of what is working well in his favor just a lot of open shots a lot of opportunities for him to go ahead and get uh, a lot of good clean opportunities for him to go ahead and put up anywhere between 30 to 35 dk points on a a nightly basis as long as he's playing his regular stuff so his price tag works well for me and i'm I'm definitely on board with that uh the other big area and this was uh purely coming just two things one Jimmy Butler loves killing the Raptors, just loves killing the Raptors on a night in night out basis whenever he gets that chance. And even though he had 15 days in which he was off, clearly no restrictions on his game back, uh, went ahead and played 40 minutes in that first game against Brooklyn, ended up putting up 46 DK points. But what we have seen is his price tag drop off to pretty much the lowest levels of this entire season with 7,800, which I think is far too cheap for what uh, Jimmy Butler is going to end up doing in any sort of a game that can even be kept somewhat close. And I mean, I don't necessarily know what's going to happen and who the Raptors are going to end up throwing out on the lineup as far as this game's concerned, but usually they can find a way to be able to keep things pretty close at home all the way up until the end and then whatever happens with the result happens. So Jimmy Butler only small forward eligible, so can't really put him anywhere else, but does have the ability to put up a, a big night and 7,800 gives you a lot of upside as far as his price tag is concerned, but a pretty safe floor given that he's not facing any sort of minutes restrictions and you know he's going to have his regular usage in that time as well. 
Uh, beyond that, uh, looking a little bit more on the on the cheaper side over here, and again, uh, going back over to that uh, Minnesota and Detroit game, and again, talking about a guy who had that dual eligibility, Alec Burks has been another uh, good beneficiary of the Cade Cunningham absence. And, you know, as much as I, I don't necessarily love the fact that they keep playing Alec Burks over, say, an Osar Thompson, who definitely should be playing more. That's just it's ridiculous what Detroit's doing. But from a fantasy perspective, Alec Burks is getting consistently anywhere between 14 to 17 shots a game, which is crazy. But he's averaging about 30 minutes at that time as well and putting up near uh, 30 DK points at that time. So for him and for uh, Detroit to uh, try and, I guess, continue to keep this close, they're trying to find as much offense as they can. And if there's one thing Alec Burks can do is he can get buckets in a pretty uh, pretty quick uh, string of things if you can get things going. So uh, for him to uh, be at 5,400 in a matchup where Detroit will try to keep things close against Minnesota at home, likely going to need his services as much as possible. So I like him for his 5,400 price tag. And then finally going all the way to a little bit cheaper, again, talking about uh, that Houston-New York game and what we have seen from kind of the guys that uh, are being clearly earmarked for a little bit more opportunity with you know, when Tari Eason got injured and a, and a couple of other things happened, what we have seen is Cam Whitmore get the opportunity to be able to showcase his talent a little bit more. And, you know, he's an interesting player for the Houston Rockets. Uh, this bit of a, a tweener at the small forward position can get you pretty good rebounds out of position. We've seen that in the last two games where he's got seven and six, you know, alongside getting about 12 to 13 shots a game in that time as well. And, with some pretty decent free throw attempts in the one game too. So uh, for him to be at 4,500, I think is a pretty safe bet for him to be able to beat that price tag. Uh, if you can get uh, the same kind of uh, minutes and usage that he has been as of late. And for the Rockets who don't necessarily uh, have themselves a position to be you know, looking at a big you know, jump in the playoffs or anything like that, they're, they're pretty solidly going to be in that play in contention as things go on. So for them, it's about trying to find as much of their future as possible alongside obviously the, the talent that they do have in the backcourt otherwise. So Cam Whitmore, pretty good position for him to be able to go ahead and take advantage of that. And at 4,500, I definitely have good interest in him. I just breathed a sigh of relief because my list was about to be the exact replica of what you said in these past few <laughs> picks. I mean, starting off with small forward, I decided to go with Jim Butler too at 7,800. Uh, I mean, I don't really need to mention much. I mean, you said he's been good against the Raptors. 7,800, which is as cheap as you're going to get for Jimmy Butler. Uh, no minutes restriction, by the way. He played 40 minutes in his last game. Uh, and against his Raptors team, I could see him easily with no center, draw a lot of fouls, uh, attack the Thaddeus Youngs, the Bouchers, the Jonte Porters of the world. Uh, and honestly, just get his numbers like he usually is able to do. Because um, 7,800 is a really cheap price, and I think it's a low, like, really low price for Jimmy Butler to easily surpass in terms of DK fantasy point value. Uh, Mid-tier pick was someone you mentioned at shooting guard, and that was RJ Barrett at 6,600. Of course, you mentioned him being comfortable in Toronto. I think he's only played two games uh, in Toronto. I think the first game with Cleveland, which was his first game as a Raptor, and is this last game. Uh, And I think this last game was really good, of course. But I think in general, this Miami Heat team wouldn't be too much of a tough opponent for him to continuously do his thing. And because it's in the Raptors, I think 6600 has been a it's been a pretty proper price for Archie Bear, especially because he's been playing his most efficient basketball. Uh, and it's been surprising for not only Raptor fans but every fan in the whole league. Uh, and at 6600, it's a really appropriate price. And last but not least, with the Rockets forward, not Cam Whitmore, but Jay Sean Tate 
at 3,400. So this was my only different pick. I was terrified when you said Houston Rockets forward. Uh, but Jason Tate is someone I went with at 3,400, mainly because of matchup purposes. Uh, I think Cat Whitmore has been on a better streak, and he probably will have a lot more ownership than Jason Tate. But I think in this type of matchup, I think he might be used more in terms of guarding a Julius Randle-type player, uh, where Cam uh, Cam Whitmore or Jabari Smith Jr. may struggle to, because Julius Randle, uh, you may not appreciate him, but he's a really physical player, and he really gets to his spots. I mean, no one can really stop him in terms of that situation. I think Jason Tate does have, I want to say, the, the build to stop that type of player. Not stop him, but slow him down, I guess, is a more appropriate term to use. So at 3400 I think it's a really cheap price to go for and hopefully just exceed that value. Yeah, fair enough. Well, you know, it's nice to have uh, a certain amount of alignment in how we're looking at as far as picks are concerned. Probably make it uh, a little easier to think about who the player picture is going to be for this one so far, because right now I think uh, <laughs> we seem to be around on Fred, then there's Kyrie, and there's Jimmy Butler. A lot of guys that uh, yeah. really we're both liking on here, and I think for good reason as far as the price tags are concerned and their potential performance. But uh, going on to the power forward side of things, this is where I'm willing to uh, spend a little bit more because we've obviously been talking about a bunch of uh, solid uh, kind of value to mid-tier options so far. And I'm, I'm kind of still sticking around it, but going more into that 7,000, 8,000 range over here because I do think there's a bunch of guys with some really solid upside. Uh, starting up at the top over here in that uh, Golden State Warriors and Utah game, which, by the way, of the games that we have our spreads for and totals for so far – this is uh, comfortably the highest, looking at a 243 game total for this one. So for Laurie Markkinen, sitting at 8,300, who himself has been on a really good streak over the last couple of games, uh, two straight games of 50-plus DK points, has looked good uh, in general from a, uh, from a little bit of a uh, kind of cold streak as far as his shooting was concerned slightly prior to that. He's obviously turned that around, gotten himself back to uh, the all-star level of play that we have been seeing consistently from him since he got to the Utah Jazz. So I love his price tag in general. I think it always gives you that opportunity to have a night where you can get 50 plus pretty comfortably if you can have his uh, kind of regular game and have a good rebounding night, which is always kind of that X factor that can help put him over the top. The only times he ends up having bad nights is where he has kind of bad rebounding nights and that kind of leads into everything else over there. So up against the Golden State Warriors who aren't necessarily a large team as far as size is concerned in the front court, I do think Markinen's going to have Another good night over here. He's already uh, kind of shown his uh, kind of prowess against the Warriors in, in the last season. He had a couple of really good games against them as well. So I expect that we're going to get to see more of that. Uh, speaking of uh, potential big games over here, um, we're looking at, again, if there was something that you know, we loved talking about, I'd say throughout the last season and really going up to here is that if you're looking for a big night, you probably want to go up against Charlotte. That's really what it comes down to over here. And for the uh, New Orleans Pelicans, who are going to be hosting Charlotte at home, we have another guy in Zion Williamson who, you know, it's kind of been under, I don't know if I want to say necessarily underpriced because he's been having those kind of hot and cold games over here. But in general, he has been uh, in a pretty uh, solid spot to be able to consistently put a 40 plus as far as his, uh, his price tag is concerned in any matchup that stays even somewhat close going all the way to the end. Because the Pelicans have really found themselves in a lot of situations where they have been either doing the blowouts or being on the receiving end of a blowout. We aren't seeing too, too many super close games over here. So I'm hoping that uh, in this uh, Charlotte and uh, Pelicans game, where unfortunately right now it is also being Vegas considering as a game where the Pelicans should win by 11 and a half, does put a little bit of risk to that. 
But honestly, I, I think Zion would only really need about 30 minutes in this game to be able to put up a really big night against a pretty porous defense as far as uh, the Pelicans are, as far as the Hornets are concerned. So a lot to like uh, for him to be able to go ahead and beat that price tag pretty comfortably. And if I am taking Zion, and I'm hoping that Charlie can keep it close, I'm probably going to run it back on the other side with uh, Miles Bridges on there as well, who is in that same kind of price tag range, 7,400 over here obviously has the capability to be able to have those big nights as we have seen kind of throughout the season. But at the same time, he can have those kind of dull games where he's in that uh, kind of high 20s to low 30s. So again, not completely destroying you as far as his floor is concerned, but still giving you enough of a, enough of an upside where if the uh, if the game can require uh, Miles Bridges to play his regular allotment of minutes, I expect that we're going to have another uh, good opportunity for him to have a pretty good game. And of course, we have uh, this season earlier on to be able to look at where he ended up dropping 45 DK points on them earlier on this year as well. So hopefully he can build on that and continue uh, from that perspective there. So I do like that. And then jumping all the way down into uh, some of my value over here. And, you know, (laughs) similar to the RJ Barrett situation, I just think it's one of those where I, I don't necessarily think his game is always the most fantasy friendly, but if their team is to be able to get some semblance of normalcy back into their performances. They are going to need a little bit more from him. And this is Andrew Wiggins that we're talking about over here, sitting all the way down at 4,900 on his price tag over here. So for a guy who finally had, I would say, a bit of a turnaround as far as his games are concerned, more from a minutes total than anything else, because that's where you know we've really seen Andrew Wiggins take a real backseat, mostly because of his, his own fault. He's just been bad this season. But we are seeing a little bit more of that normalcy return. He's had 31-plus minutes in each of his last three games. Hasn't necessarily lit the world on fire with his performances there, but has been solid enough to include you know one near 40 DK points game, another one where he got 28, and he has consistently gotten 13 field goal attempts in each of those. So you know the hope is that he can start to build a little bit of consistency into his pure scoring prowess which golden state warriors definitely need at this point uh, given the struggles that they're facing otherwise and then if they can get him kind of back to some of that uh, defensive work that he did in that year where they won the championship and you know at the very least if all these trade rumors are true then they may also potentially be looking to move off of wiggins which means that they absolutely want to showcase what he can do and, and try and uh, entice some teams in there so yeah <laughs> i guess i'm gonna ask I heard a little smile there. How many of my guys or, or your guys that I hit with the list that I was going through there? Actually, none. Uh, I, there were close calls because uh, I did. I was thinking about marketing for sure, but I decided to go a bit more higher in terms of Paolo Banquero hmm. at 8,800. Uh, this is mainly because, of course, Franz Wagner is still out, and Paolo's probably had his best game among the best games of the season against Alano uh, because, I mean, the they don't really have, they haven't been that uh, amazing of a defensive team. Of course, the New York Congo does play power for sometimes, so maybe he will be the defensive matchup. Uh, but he's also, Paolo Banquero, I think, has shown the ability to kind of always have these explosive nights. And he's been pretty quiet, so I don't think he will have a lot of high ownership, especially because if you're spending that much money, you might want to spend it somewhere else. Uh, so that's why I kind of like that pick. Uh, like I said, Markin was someone I was considering as well. Uh and with uh, my mid-tier pick, I decided to go with, I guess, lower and mid-tier pick. And this is where I was like smirking because I thought you were going to go for Draymond Green at 5,700 because that's one of the players I went for. Of course, you're taking a bigger risk uh, with Wiggins. He's center. Uh, but he's power for his last center. So, like, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm using some finesse, you know. 
uh, but uh, yeah, pardon me, so 5,700 for Draymond Green. Uh, this is mainly because I think he's spoke about it as well, like they need more defensive intensity. And of course, he is back. He was coming off the bench playing 24 minutes. And of course, if he can get continuously get more minutes, can, he'll probably just add a lot more to the game, especially because in this last game against Memphis, had 23 DK fantasy points. Uh, so I'm hoping he can have another similar performance because against his Utah team, who have been on fire, I think they will definitely need it. Uh, and then my budget pick is Maxi Kleber at 3,500. Uh, another player returning from injury. Uh, and he's going to be going against his Lakers team. I wish I think they might need him. I think he's also had a game winner in the past against his Lakers team, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so against this team where you're looking at your big man being Derek Lively or Dwight Powell, maybe Maxi Kleber is the guy who does the best in terms of matching up against Anthony Davis or just at least spreading the floor alongside of Derek Lively because I think Derek Lively as a sole center might not be enough for rebounding or just simply protecting the paint because LeBron is going to be driving a lot as well if he sees Derek Lively. So I think Max Kleber at 3,500 is a safe bet and a really cheap pick to go for, and hence why he's been my favorite pick. Uh, also, not to mention that this is Draymond Green going against another European big man, so hopefully marketing stays for the whole game and everything is good. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I think... Uh... <laughs> quite a few uh, potential ways to be able to look at that and uh, as i said there's a bunch of ways to finesse these guys in there so i, I like that you did bring up raymond <laughs> so that saves me from having to spend too much time talking about him because i do have him in my center slot over here <laughs> but let's uh let's talk about some of these other uh, potential opportunities to be able to take and I, i'm going to actually start from the the bottom end over here so we'll put draymond over to the side but the other uh, guy who's been getting a good bit of opportunity since he's gotten back from his injury that caused him to miss about two weeks over there is your good old beef stew, Isaiah Stewart, on Detroit Pistons, uh, getting a pretty solid 29 and 38 minutes in the last two games since he's back. Sitting at 5,500 is clearly got, getting the opportunity to be able to put up you know, 17 shots in the last game there. Not necessarily a huge rebounder consistently. I mean, yeah, he has the capability to be able to put up those double-doubles, but we'll often find that just given that they have Jalen Duran, who's just absolutely vacuuming up every rebound that goes there, it's not necessarily a huge uh, rebounding night on a regular basis for Isaiah Stewart. But what we are seeing over the last a little bit, especially kind of going into the new year and, and a little bit beyond that now, is that he's getting... Some of those uh, dribble handoffs, some of those opportunities to be able to rack up a couple of assists where people are playing off him there, and he's got uh, you know, four assists in the last game. Not necessarily you know, something that you can absolutely bank on, but the fact that he's got four-plus assists in three of his last four games does give you a little bit more of a buffer if he's not necessarily having those big rebounding nights that we would hopefully have alongside his uh, capability to be able to put up 15, 16 points. That always does help from from that perspective over there. So I, I do like him for his 5,500 price tag. I think his minutes are pretty secure. Detroit, Detroit, when everyone is really healthy, should absolutely be better than what their record shows. And Isaiah Stewart is a big part of that as well. So him and Jalen Duran will continue to try and put a little bit more kind of muscle in that front court. And I think this is a, a good matchup for them to uh, kind of continue doing that as well, uh, given the fact that um, uh, that Minnesota, on the other hand, is obviously going to have Rudy Gobert and Carl uh, Anthony Towns on that side. So it makes for an interesting dynamic in terms of how uh, the Detroit bigs are going to be able to go up go up against that. Uh, speaking of uh, Minnesota in that same game, I do still think Carl Anthony Towns has a lot of upside for his price tag. I've always liked him anytime he's below that 8,000 mark. Now, the reality is uh, 
Anthony Edwards is going to shoot everything that comes there. So we don't necessarily get that consistency of field goal attempts that you'd like to see on a regular basis with Carl Anthony Towns, which I think is a bit of a disappointment. I think it's a, a missed opportunity for them to use him a lot more because when you do get him into that 16, 17, 18 field goal attempts, not only does his individual upside go up quite a bit, but you'll see that uh, Minnesota themselves find them find themselves just in a much better offensive scenario. So uh, Anthony Edwards, if there's any kind of criticism to be able to put on, on his game in, in this year so far, given the fact that Minnesota is playing incredibly well, is that they still need to find more ways to unlock Carl Anthony Towns in the offense. But uh, for to his credit, he's consistently uh, put up uh, efficient numbers and is finding himself in a great spot to be able to put up 40 plus DK points without really breaking a sweat. So for 7,700, he's kind of in that similar scenario to what we've been talking about with players like uh, Jimmy Butler, Fred Van Vliet, Zion Williamson, Miles Bridges. They're all in that, but in that kind of 7,000-ish price tag where they all kind of can put up 50-plus points on a good night. If they're having a mediocre night, they'll still not destroy you as far as their floor is concerned. Should be somewhere safe in the 30s over there. So a good uh, a good chance to be able to go ahead and do that. And my last center pick. And this is kind of in that same price tag range. And you'll notice that I've kind of focused in on on certain games over here because that's just the reality of a nine-game slate unless there's someone that's absolutely just jumping out to me. I'll, I'll find myself kind of picking and choosing kind of games that I feel have some good value to be able to look at. And that comes back to Alperen Schengen. 7900 at this point, which is his lowest price tag since all the way in uh, the start of November. So definitely a great opportunity to be able to get him until it starts to go back into that mid-8,000s once again. Uh, Sengun, to his credit, hasn't really dropped off at, at any point. He has just consistently been pretty much a mini Jokic throughout the season, ending up putting up uh, anywhere between 40 to 45 DK points on a nightly basis just from the volume of his across the across the board stats contribution. So you don't necessarily need him to be putting up you know 25 or 25 points a night because you know he'll be able to get you anywhere between eight to nine rebounds alongside four to five assists. And then if you can get a couple of those stocks to help alongside that, there's just so much to like in terms of what uh, his uh, his fantasy outlook can look like. So in this matchup here, going into the Garden, this is where you end up really making your name, as we all know in the in the NBA and. You know, for Sangoon, who's a guy who's in a pretty good position to be a first-time All-Star this year, I think this is going to be another opportunity for him to really uh, put uh, a topper on what has been a great start to the season so far. And uh, for me, as far as my center picks are concerned, I think his at 7,900 gives me the most upside versus uh, some of these other options here so far. Uh, well, we didn't have too many uh, similarities, maybe just one pick, which I'll get onto that one later. But starting off with uh, another superstar pick I had in mind, this is basically alternative to if you don't want to go the Kyrie Irving route, which is Anthony Davis at 10,000. Uh, of course, even this pick, I would just have maybe a one slate built around him uh, alongside all of the mid-tier picks that you mentioned and I mentioned. Uh, but Anthony Davis at 10,000, I mean, he's just a beast when it comes down to these centers who aren't too big and are are... I guess smaller, and he's able to this have his way. And of course, Derek Lively, a rookie, uh, Maxi Kleber, Dwight Powell. Of course, I mentioned these guys. A lot of these guys aren't too tall and don't really provide that. I want to say physical presence that Anthony Davis would have a problem with. Uh, so I think Anthony Davis could be in due to one of those crazy nights where he's been capable of having. Uh, so I, if I was to go for an, a superstar pick, I think Anthony Davis would be my superstar. Uh, and then I guess a bit another player in the high 7,000s is uh, the player you had as well, which is Sangun 
at 7900. Uh, everything you mentioned, I guess just to add on that, he's also been one of those players who, in the road games where Houston does struggle a lot, uh, he's been one of the guys who has been consistent and been able to show up and kind of take much more, I want to say, be a bit more selfish knowing that his teammates have been missing a lot. Uh, so therefore, I think in getting this matchup as well, because uh, it's going against Isaiah Harnstein, who has been absolutely amazing uh, ever since the Mitchell Robinson injury. Uh, I think Sengun will be still be having his way in terms of getting to his spots, being able to back down Isaiah Harnstein. And not to mention that if there is no Isaiah Harnstein on the floor, I think it's even it's some really bad news because that means it's either Todd Gibson or Precious Achua probably guarding Sengun, which it even makes it even better for Sengun to have a much better game. And I think you mentioned this as well. I mean, he continuously has around like 40 DK fantasy points. Like it's really consistent in terms of getting that average. Uh, so I think he's really a safe pick as well when you're going from S7900. And honestly, another player who was, I, I don't know if he's going to be a first-time All-Star because I was, I was looking at the, the potential All-Stars and it is a lot to look at. Uh, but he's definitely been playing some great basketball. Uh, and my budget pick, I decided to go with Thaddeus Young at 4,100. Uh, of course, I guess it's pick your – who do you think is going to go off against this team, Miami, because, I mean, they don't really have a sol- solid center. Boucher was the obvious choice at first, but, of course, he doesn't have the – I guess the IQ, I guess I want to say, that Thad Young and John T. Porter has been showing. Uh, but Thad Young has that experience, and I think he also has that low gravity in terms of being able to guard the – more outside of the perimeter, which Bam can sometimes function and be really annoying and pesky. And I think Daddy's Young's experience might also help with not getting into foul trouble when potentially facing a Jimmy Butler uh, on the drive or in the baseline where John T. Porter or Chris Boucher will probably foul. I think me and you both know that. So I think Daddy Young at 4,100 is a safe price. And I think Daddy Young's first game when Porter was injured was really amazing. But of course, getting 30 DK defense points would be really tough. But if you can get something north of 20, then that'd be just a really, really great, uh, really great, I guess, player to pick up. Yeah, I like it. Well, I said there's one thing that we can obviously agree on is that there is a lot of options to be able to potentially go through here. We're sitting at, what, 42 minutes at this point, and there's a lot of ways that we can potentially attack this slate. So it's going to be super important to not only keep yourself up to date with whatever injury reports come through, again, sportsethos.com, get on that DFS pass, get that live injury, but also to really kind of think about how it is that you're going to potentially focus yourself on these nine games. So a lot to be able to get at. Uh, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. As always, you can hit me up on Twitter, on Instagram at HK underscore devil. Talk to me about um, how you're approaching this slate. If, you know, some of these uh, more kind of high upside mid-tier picks are where your focus is, or if you are in fact, you know, sticking with a more kind of tried and tested high expensive, uh, expensive tier side of guys, because, You'll notice, I don't think between either of us, we ended up mentioning either of Anthony Davis, Luka Doncic, or Giannis. All of those are being that uh, kind of 10K and above, right? So interesting uh, to be able to see how people end up uh, doing their own slates as far as this is concerned. That's that's my take. Uh, As always, uh, where can people uh, find you, Ramiz? They can find me at Twitter at 2Nice, spelled T-O-0 underscore nice underscore. And uh, I, I... should have cut you off, but I didn't mention Anthony Davis as my superstar pick, but of course, mm. I don't think he's a player you want to go for every slate, but if you want to play a superstar slate, I think he's my pick. Okay, fair enough. No, that I think that's that's fair. All right, well, that's going to be it from that perspective. Now, 
a final little bonus before we go ahead and uh, sign off for this night here is, you know, for those who are really into some of these other uh, DFS slates on here, you'll notice that the Brooklyn-Portland game was not part and parcel of that nine-game slate that we've talking, talked about so far. But we do have that final one that's going to be going off at 10 p.m. Eastern on here. And really, I think, you know, there's obviously tons of ways to be able to go. One-game slates aren't really my cup of tea. But if we're talking about who could be a potentially good captain on here uh for me it's whenever i look at the the captain side of things it's really about finding ways for me to be able to get the guys that i actually want on that utility slide because obviously captain is going to go ahead and uh, 1.5 x whatever salary is going on here so i usually find myself looking at some of those kind of mid-tier options as the ones that i'm hoping will potentially go off in the game and for me as far as a uh, captain is concerned i actually want to take a bit of a gamble on here and hope that uh, we're going to get one of those uh, vintage Cam Thomas nights uh, on uh, the Brooklyn-Portland game. Again, not going to be a great game as far as actual watching is going to be concerned. It's going to be a lot of chucking, a lot of bricks, but that fits right into what uh, Cam Thomas has been doing pretty much his entire season. He's going to get his 2021 shots up on there and similar in, in some ways to uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. He's also good at being able to get to the free throw line there. And if he can get a couple more of those three pointers to fall, which have been eluding him for the last little bit, I think he has that upside to be able to put up anywhere between 45 to uh, 48 DK points. So for a guy whose regular salary is a 6,600, which would put him at 9,900 as a captain, I think that's a good starting point. And then you can go ahead and look into uh, some of these other picks as far as uh, utility is concerned. Uh, any ideas from your end as to who your captain's going to be? Uh, I just straight up went for Mikael Bridges at 8,600. Uh, I mean, uh, probably not 8,600, that's utility price. Uh, for 12,900, uh, I mean, I usually look at my captain to be able to do multiple things in the case that he doesn't have one of those efficient scoring nights. And I think Mikael Bridges is probably a guy who can get you assists, get you rebounds, and hopefully get you a couple of stocks. So I think that's why I liked him as my captain, because he can do a lot of fill up a lot of data stat lines and hopefully x your multiply your value fair enough all right well that will bring us to the end of this slate over here but uh Ramiz, i know we've had a couple of uh, these head-to-head uh, -head matchups so just before we get going who is your pick yeah we've talked about a lot of these uh, mid-tier talents here so let's let's talk about someone who would be let's say in that eight thousand or less mark who do you think uh, is going to be your uh head-to-head -head pick to go up against, uh, and I'll mm. kind of figure out someone on my side. Interesting. Less than 8,000. So I don't want to go with the player that me and you both mentioned. Uh, I, well, actually, I don't really have a lot of those players. Uh, actually, I did go with Colin Sexton at 6,500. Do you have someone mm. in that range? Yeah, no, that's fine. You, you, so if you want to go with uh, Colin Sexton at 6,500, then you know what? I'll go with RJ at 6,600, even though I don't necessarily love <laughs> taking him there but uh, i think yep. most of my players are all the same as yours <laughs> in terms of the heart right. like well there we go call him sexton versus rj Barrett. <laughs> i actually think i might pull this out i can't believe i'm going to be hoping for an rj barrett win but well he's on the raptors now so i guess i just have to start to reconcile with the fact that after a long time i've got a guy on the raptors that i just don't like <laughs> this is what it is all right well that brings us to the end of it so obviously uh, hit us up on any questions you have and keep uh, following us on sportsethos.com but until then we'll catch you on the next one let's take down some of these gpps
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.